We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You can follow me at Mike Dugar. You guys already know how that goes. Verified, all that good stuff. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206. And that's CKID206. You know, Chris, this was an ugly game. Like, everyone oh, knows that. They man. watched it. Seahawks got smoked for the most part. I mean, they lost by 10, but they got smoked. Um, and it was interesting that Pete Carroll said after the game, like, his opening statement was like, I don't recognize what we did today. I don't recognize that type of game at all. Um, and I, I agreed with him to a little bit, uh, to some extent, um, in that, like, that was completely just an ass-kicking in a lot of different ways. But the more I thought about it, and just before we were about to record, you know, I was like, you know, actually... Our podcast today is going to sound a lot like the Arizona loss, just because it's the same thing. It's an example of, look, man, if y'all plan is for Russ to be perfect and win every game while the defense gives up a million yards, the plan will not work, at least not 16 times. Like, it'll work like 10, 11, 12 at the most. Like, eventually, it's going to just burn you. And it's going to look bad, um, too, like it did today. And just like the Arizona game, it was turnovers turnovers killed them whether it was the uh, turnovers were the story whether it was because they couldn't get them or because Russ had too many of them Russ had four today yeah two fumbles and two interceptions excuse me just well-rounded all over the place for us it's like I'm gonna turn it over in every way possible <laughs> like I mean shouldn't be funny but that kind of was how it looked um so that it, it's basically the same script the difference is I guess they they didn't force any turnovers yeah that's today. that was the big thing there the Seahawks when they give up a lot of points and the offense, the other opposing offense is rolling, they are able to create turnovers, whether it be a fumble, interception, yeah, yeah. and that gives Russ another opportunity to go down and prove why he is leading in the MVP discussion. Yeah, well, he was. He w- Exactly, he was. He ain't now. On Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, that didn't take place because right. I think every analyst, reporter, all predicted that Josh Allen would have a turnover. The Seahawks would force him to make one mistake here yeah. or there. Josh Allen didn't look phased. 
No. He took seven sacks, but that gets swept under the rug because ultimately he threw for 400 yards, three touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, and smoked the Seahawks' defense. Yeah, he probably had one of the best games he probably ever played. Oh, yeah. I said I, when you before we hopped on Wax, I literally said that he played his best game again. He played his best career game ever, and it was with the Seahawks. And no surprise there, the Seahawks have the worst defense in the NFL right now. Yeah, no, it's it, it's pretty bad. And, like, here's the thing. that We're going to spend a lot of time on the other side of the ball be, for two reasons. One, because I had a unique view of it. The, the other part of it is Russ is probably not going to keep doing this. It's not like, you know, if you have a team, like, when Jameis is the quarterback and he has two picks in a game, you're like, well, he might do this again. Uh, or even, like, even if Josh Allen has, like, two picks in a game or, you know, a Kirk Cousins or – just some other guys who who turn it over, um, and the turnovers for them come in bunches. Like, you can anticipate that that's probably part of your issues going forward. With the Seahawks, I think, even though Russ is obviously going to have games with turnovers in the future, you don't look at the Seahawks and be like, wow, their problem is a quarterback, man. He can't hold on to the ball. Um, He's turned it over um, in some crucial situations, but basically we can agree that Russ' ball security will not be one of their problems going forward. It won't be. I don't think it needs to be a worry. Russell just he got beat up today. Got beat up on Sunday against the Bills. That's really what it comes down to. The first play, they blitzed him. They didn't waste any time. <laughs> the first snap, they yeah, came why after would you. Him, right? They know he's talented. They know that Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf can do some really good things. They got to come after him. They believe that their corners would make plays, and they did. We saw it twice with two interceptions. And the fact that they were getting out of the quarterback forced two fumbles. Whether it be Russ holding the ball too long, trying to create. The Bills just had a perfect game plan, and they executed the game plan. That's what separates the Seahawks from the Bills today, or yes. Sunday. They were able to execute. The Seahawks might have blitzed and didn't get there, which going downfield, you have Stephon Diggs having nine catches for over 118 yards, for over 100 yards. Those things, those times they didn't execute, it, it showed. And that's... Huge. Execution is key. Coach draws up the play. If they don't go out and execute it, well, you get burned. Things happen that I just, it was a bad game. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, the reason why we're going to shift to the other side of the ball here and focus on that is, yeah, Russ is, Russ, it, like turning it over is bad. Like it's not to excuse that he did. He has really bad turnovers. They were really just all for his fault. Um, They were in took points off the board in one situation he basically handed uh, buffalo points in a couple in a couple of those other situations like it's just inexcusable all around but the other reason we're going to kind of move forward is because i had a unique view of the defensive side of the ball today because i watched the game i wasn't in buffalo i watched the game with cliff averill um and i watched it with uh another former seahawks defensive end i won't name the player but yeah so I had really good uh, perspective on it, like the nuances of it, like who's supposed to be where, what's it flow, like what's coming. It's crazy when you watch games with former players, like how I'm saying it, like I do this all the time. It's my first time doing that, but it's crazy just what all the little tells. Your second, you watch, watch it with Steve Rabel. That's true. He also was a former player, yep. former Seahawks player, actually. Yep. Yeah. So that's thank you. You're right. I got you, man. I am. This, 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 <laughs> is, this is kind of my 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 thing now. Um, so it's crazy how they just know what's coming. And that's like, you know, you watch a game that Romo's calling, like Romo calls out everything. Right or wrong, it's just very entertaining. Cliff was very much the same way. And, you know, he'll tell him, he'll just right before the play, he'll just blurt it out. Like, there was, for example, there was a, um, you know, a run play, Alex Collins lost yards, right? Um, 
before the before the play, Cliff was like, "Oh, this is a run to the right." I was like, well, "I'm like, what, bro? How do you how do you know this? How do you know that?" And he was like, "Oh, it's easy. I'm looking at you know, I'm looking at the O line. It's the first thing I look at when I'm when I'm watching the game because that's how I used to make my money." Um, and then what do you know? It's a run to the right. He says all I had to do was look at the right tackle the way he's standing. He can't pass block out of that stance, so it's gonna be you know a run. And then he diagnoses the direction of it with some some other tells. Like all that stuff is really you know impressive. Whether it's just like ID in the coverage right away or knowing when a hard count's coming. Although I figure a lot of people can kind of guess when a hard count's coming if you're watching the football. But the short version of this is I got a really in depth look at you know what Seattle's scheme looks like, like why are they doing things in this situation, how it differs from the Legion of Boom days. Uh, and I will say this, like if you guys can't tell, it is very, very different from what they were doing in the past. Like they were probably playing cover three in the Legion of Boom days, what, 80-something percent of the it time? It was crazy. Yeah, Every that's, time that's it. your corners were drop backs, Earl's in the middle. Yeah, and that's <laughs> there's variations of, you know, cover three, clouds and skies and all this other stuff. Uh, but for the most part, that was the plan. Maybe some cover one mixed in there. Um, but for the most part, they did the same thing. And now, and I've understood over time why they're not doing that because, you know, they don't have Earl, uh, which is a big part of that. And I think, uh, what are they? They run a lot of, like, too high looks now and all this stuff, and I'm seeing what's what's wrong. You know, I'm asking questions about, you know, what they're hearing, what they're seeing. I can't reveal all of that stuff. But, you know, the insight is definitely there, and it'll help when we get to the question section of the of the podcast, what I've kind of concluded, like the big thing today is that they need drastic change. Like there's got to be major, 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 like something, they got to sit in the room and be like, yo, we have to try something we ain't never tried. Like that's it. Because what we're doing just doesn't, it just doesn't work. And it really also puts, watching the game with them put in perspective like, all of the um what goes into it on the player side of it because i know everyone's like we got a million questions today about like ken norton and all that stuff like sometimes it's the players you know sometimes the players just got to execute like these guys know like cliff knows or the other guy we were watching it with knows like oh man he wasn't supposed to be there oh he shot that gap the wrong way oh he did this oh he's got to do this he's he has supposed to have his hands up he, he stopped moving his feet all these things like chris it was crazy like you, you used to work with Cliff, like you know, like yeah. it's crazy the knowledge these guys have. And that's, I'm glad that you got a chance to experience that because not everybody gets to see that. And now you come away with the understanding because now when you watch the game against Los Angeles coming up, you're going to be paying attention to see, oh, he's lined up this way, this is coming. And then when you're right, it just becomes something that's natural. And that opportunity you had, that's dope, man. And the Seahawks do need to make some changes. I don't know where. I don't think firing Ken Norton is the answer but maybe it is yeah I, mean, I have no I'm, i don't know on that one either at this point i mean what else can ken norton do and if you fire ken norton and bring in someone what can they do differently because all he can do is draw up a play you have to go execute i'll bring up quentin dunbar he had a rough day on sunday playing he hurt too yeah he wasn't 100 percent healthy but he was out there and when you're out there you gotta perform you gotta man. exactly he didn't he didn't do that now how was that on ken norton i can't say that's his fault Maybe he put him in situations where maybe you shouldn't go man, but he believes that even though Quentin is banged up, he is in f- he's believing that Quentin can go out there and still make a play. And unfortunately, he didn't make any plays that were beneficial to the Seahawks. And that hurt this team. They gave up 44 points and then zero turnovers. And again, every reporter out there, every analyst, they probably mentioned 
Josh Allen's going to give it up once. It's in, it's in his DNA. If you guys listen to our preview, even their reporter was saying, yeah, he's due for one against this Seahawks defense, which has known to create turnovers, although they've been giving up 30 points a game or more. Yeah. And to and a Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, that didn't happen. They weren't able to create that turnover. Josh Allen had time and time again and again where he dropped back, and he was cooling. Now, they did have seven sacks, but again, it felt those seven sacks just didn't even exist. You just wipe them away because he threw for 400 yards and had four touchdowns. Yeah, four total touchdowns. Excuse yeah. me, yeah, four so total. So what I, what I gathered from watching it with, with two defensive players for, who are familiar with the scheme and watch a lot of football and know the guys on the field too, like on a personal level, you know, know when guys are hurt, know what guys are going through, how their mindset works. The, the my main conclusion is just what's wrong with the Seattle defense is not like a singular issue. It's not just simply, oh, it's the coaches. It's not just simply, oh, our players are slow. Oh, it's not just, you know, it's not one specific thing. It's not like, oh, Pete's been figured out by the league. It's none of these, like, things are the sole reason. If it was, it'd be, you can fix one thing. If it's seven different things that are all working against each other at different times, that's a much harder to fix, which is why they haven't, you know, fixed it. So I think, I know that doesn't, like, no one wants to hear, like, well, okay, Mike, how are we supposed to fix seven things? Like, dude, I don't know. Well, but for I, one, I would say health. That's uh, big. Yeah, yeah. staying healthy is part of it. They haven't had a consistent pass rush in years. Uh, No. And I'm missing one more, Mike. Um, I mean, guys just also just aren't playing well, too. Perfect. Those three right there. And then you throw in the coaching. That's a recipe for disaster, and you're seeing it. Yeah, so I think... Like we're gonna get into some of the specifics too, but you guys got great. Excuse me, you guys asked great questions tonight, today. So that's gonna cover a lot of the stuff. But I think keep that. That's the most important takeaway I have. Like I wrote a story about it. That's that's out now. By the time you guys are hearing this podcast, but it's not just one thing that's like bothering this team. And also like, so here's another good example that I learned too. You mentioned that they like. Josh, the, the sacks didn't feel like they even happened because Josh Allen still had a good day. And what one of the defensive players there was uh, showing me or explaining to me is like, look, this is happening. Like, this is how the front looks. We've, we've kind of changed how our front uh, looks now because we couldn't get pressure with four. So now we got to do different things like only have three linemen, but then use Bobby as an extra lineman to rush. And then it's like, okay, now we got J.A. or Jamal Adams back. Oh, okay, now J.A. is basically, so now we got all these four and five-man pressures, but it's not four or five linemen. It's really just only three linemen and a safety or, like, D.J. Reed came a few times, and he's like, what that does is that puts the that puts stress on the back end if they don't get there. And as you saw today, Chris, they was getting everything they needed to, even if it was what they got. They got a third and 16. They got a second and 27. Like, th- there's too much stress on your back end, and that's really harmful, like you said, health. Quentin Dummer out there playing with one leg. Yeah. That's like, you, you just can't, you can't have that. You do, you're already down a corner in Shaq, and then you got the guy who's replacing Shaq now playing on a bad leg. So it's like a competent, I mean, Ugo's down too. Although I don't know if Ugo even keeps the job over DJ when they're both healthy. I don't know. I legitimately don't know. But I think that was like a good example of like, see, we're, we have to overcompensate in one area because we can't get a pass rush, so we got a blitz. Okay, well, when they're doing that, it it puts it leaves us vulnerable elsewhere, and if we're not fully healthy on the back end, or we're not communicating well on the back end, it screws us. You know, uh, another instance um, was like this is a good example of where the coaching came in. So if you remember that the, on the final drive of the third quarter, mm, yep, uh, the Seahawks they have they, at this point they've sacked Josh like 
five times. <laughs> Something like that. God they have beaten him up. First play of the drive is another blitz. What do the, the Bills call? A screen. screen. Pick up <laughs> 20 yards to the running back. Screen. I'm like, and then um, I think it was Cliff who was like, see, like, this is going to start happening now because they're getting blitzed and they can't stop it. There's there's blitz beaters that you call and draw plays help sometimes or uh, screen plays are the most like effective one because it, it lets the linemen think that they it's like fool's gold. They're getting this free rush. And I was like, ah, oh, damn, no, the play is really supposed to go over here. Um, so, okay, let's fast forward later in that drive. This is key. I think the Seahawks are down seven at this point. And it's third. Like this, and it's third and 16. Yeah. And they're on like the 35-yard line. So it's like, take a hit. That's a 53-yard field goal if it's just like incomplete pass. Yep. But if you get a sack, it probably knocks, knocks them out, out of field of goal range. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, Or a, a turnover. Just get a turnover and give the ball back too. Like it's a very critical down is what I'm saying. What it, what are both players in the room telling me? They're like, you can't keep send, you can't send a pressure. They're gonna they're gonna use a pressure against you. They're probably gonna call a screen right here. Like they both call it out like or a draw. They were like screens coming. Both call it out. It's like the pressure you can't just keep doing that. They're gonna beat it. Engage eight. What do you know? <laughs> the Seahawks sent eight dudes. They sent Jamal, Quandre, and Bobby. Yeah, so they sent and those are some of their best cover guys, uh, too. So it's not so you're really vulnerable on the back yep. end as well. So what what happened? John Brown wide open. Yep. Right? And then um and it picks up 33 yards or whatever. And they, go, they run it to Quentin Dunbar's side. Well, Quentin can't run. Like, if yeah, you watch him hobbled. on that play, he can't even – I think Quandre has to come all the way from the line of scrimmage to chase down and save the touchdown. They it was it. Trey. Trey Flowers. Oh, Trey, Trey. Oh, Yeah, Trey, Trey actually tripped him up. Oh, good for him. And laid oh. there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, it was, he, he, was, he was probably tired. Yeah. But that was a good example of a combination of, like, the scheme they, had to, they have to do because players aren't playing well. Like, here we go. That's a good chain of events. You can't get pressure with four, right? It starts with that. Okay, so what do you have to do? Send you more. have to blitz. Okay, so what does that do? That forces another adjustment, and then guys have to to execute, right? But also it comes down to how the coaching adjusts to their adjustment. So, like, Pete ended up revealing that he's the one who called that blitz. I thought that was very interesting. He, we didn't ask him. He just snuck it in there. He was going through stuff. He was like, yeah, I called the blitz on third and, third and 16 and just didn't work. I was like, oh, that's interesting. He's admitting that he called something. that didn't, He doesn't usually do that. Um, so... You can't get pressure for, so you gotta you gotta overcompensate elsewhere. Your overcompensation leads to vulnerabilities elsewhere. Well, now you got a hurt guy, and that and that doesn't work. And also, the communication's not there. If you so I, someone sent me a screenshot of the alignment before the third and sixteen, Quentin Dunbar's not even on the screen. He's fifty. I think I saw someone else tweeted out, and I want to say he was fi- thirteen yards off on that play. Right, and so. Uh, I showed the I showed the screenshot that someone tweeted me to Cliff. I was like, "Wow, look!" He's like, "He's like, see, he's probably playing the sticks, um, but he shouldn't be back that far in that situation, situational football." Um, so somebody's got to communicate, you know, that to him, whether it's a coach or you know, and he's also a veteran. He probably should just know, but maybe that's just not something he's used to, or whatever. I don't know. I'll make excuse, excuses for him, but I think it's a good example of like how everything can be failing at once on a given play that was the guys didn't get there on the blitz the play call was bad the communication wasn't good and it just it just fell through like every every level of it and a guy was hurt yeah it's like all of it everything that i mentioned (laughs) yeah it all and that i think that that specific sequence what i thought was very like illustrative of what is wrong with the seahawks it's not one thing it's not that like oh dunbar's hurt so when he gets hurt we'll be right well it's like oh the coaches call bad plays so this not it's a little of everything, y'all. It's a bit, you know how let Russ cook. There's all these ingredients to the like. You need O line. You need players to make plays. You need Russ to make throws. Well, when you got a bad batch, there's ingredients in there too. Yeah. There's a lot of ingredients going on to what is like making this recipe for disaster. That 
that these guys have. I mean, and I'll put it this way. I'll sort of cut you off. No, go ahead, go ahead. Buffalo, they came out and they said, we're not going to run the ball, guys. We're just going to throw. You know why? Because they can't stop us. Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown, and who's the fourth guy that scored a touchdown rookie, which is, ah. Mm. McKenzie? Is it okay? It was was McKenzie that scored that touch on the first one? I don't know. Cliff, Over the middle. Cliff was late, so I was watching the game <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's cool. But oh, I forget his name. Regardless, of, regardless of it, the Buffalo Bills were confident in their offense and Josh Allen's capability to throw on that Seahawks defense, and they did it from the jump. They threw nonstop. I mean, I can't even remember how many times they ran it. That's how much they threw the ball against Actually, the Seahawks. I can look that up. Yeah, that's no, it wasn't crazy. a lot. It wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot at all. And I think that was, and that's another instance of the game planning. Pete admitted, it was like, wow, we didn't think they'd uh, abandon the the run on <laughs> us uh, like he, that. The fact that I, I watched it too, but when he said that in my head, I'm thinking, have you not been watching your defense all season? I'm surprised not. I'm surprised every team hasn't done that. But I get it. Not every team has the wide receivers where you can throw it every down and they can get open. Well, I get it. It's a it's a week by week basis, and teams are going to attack you based on. They're matchups. Against the Rams, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw it just as much. Is Jared Goff as good as Josh Allen, if not better? There is your answer there. Josh Allen played really well on Sunday. I think Jared Goff is better. And for whatever reason, we've talked about this multiple times, Jared Goff seems to always play well against the Seahawks. Hopefully that luck ends, but the way the defense is playing, I don't know if that's going to be possible. You know, so uh, I've looked it up. They dropped back 52 times compared to, uh, 11, what's 9 plus 2 is 11, plus 2 more is 13. 13 designed runs. Design, okay, you took out Josh's. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So the dropbacks is a 52 and then one design run to Josh. So, yeah, 13 run attempts. Like, that's really pass heavy, right? And when I heard, that's, a, that's not the first time Pete said that this year. Like, he was, he said that in the Atlanta game. He was like, yeah, they kind of gave up on the run in the second half. Although, I guess he wasn't surprised because they were up so much. He was like, that's just what teams, what teams do. Um, but he seemed like surprised against like the the Patriots that that was the case like that Cam was throwing after they had run a bunch against Miami um, or whoever New England played in that first game I think it was Miami um, he said that before too I think he even mentioned that against uh, against Arizona you know just like man we we expected this and then they did this like Pete's giving us tells about what part is his you know fault and what part is you know maybe the blame should be elsewhere you know and it's 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 starting to become actually a lot easier to see i think pete pete's telling us like yo we're we're not game planning well enough that that's game plan stuff like pete you're one of the, you have a top 10 run defense you have a bottom three <laughs> pass defense why would you think they're gonna come out here and just pound it down your throat like do you just think the other offensive coordinator is stupid like today Pete Carroll was like oh we had a great plan if they were gonna run it a lot well yeah man that's why they <laughs> didn't run it because they know your run defense is good like it when he said that I was like oh man yeah this is like his his five-year extension announcement came at like a awkward time now like, y'all, y'all getting smoked and he's like admitting the things that are like uh partly on him like you have to you you should uh you should know that teams are going to try to play to your weaknesses which is your secondary or I, your pass defense if i was a head coach i'm throwing every time i'm not even running the ball for what yeah I'm, <laughs> the only team that's had any success running the ball against them is what minnesota and even then dalvin cook got hurt and the other guy came in yeah that's yeah it. and they ran for like they ran for like 20 yards against them i think so i think that demonstrated part of what it is too. Like today, like I know people have been tweeting me, they're probably tweeting you, Chris. Like, why, why are guys always playing so far off, <laughs> right? Like, 
even Pete today was like, yeah, we were off them. We were playing off them a little more than we we wanted to. It's like, okay, whose fault is that? Like, is that you? Is that Ken? Is that the players? Like, is it all three? All three it's probably segments? All three, honestly. Yeah, it's like it's a mixture of the game planning and the execution. And what's really most troubling, it's a it's uh, a lack of adjusting. And I think it's more of a challenge for them to adjust because they they never. I mean, I forget you said that. Shaquille, Jamal, Quandre, and who am I missing back there? Quentin. Quentin have only played seventy-seven snaps, I think. Together. Yeah. And they're having to bring guys in from the practice squad. They're having to bring guys in here and there, and they're trying to plug in all these holes while trying to also get a better pass rush. And when you combine that, the pass rush, the injuries, it just becomes a mess. And that's what you're seeing against good football teams. Not great, just a good football team. I would say Buffalo Bills coming in, they were a good football or team. At least a good offense. Excuse yeah. me, yeah, a good offense. They're playing yeah. good offenses. The only and bad offense they played was San Francisco, maybe? That was it. And even then, they're like a still good run team, I think. Yeah, that's fair. And even then, it just creates just this big problem. And it's just it's a snowball effect. Once Jamal went down, it was like, dang. Okay, how are we going to get this setback? Okay, well, and that was after Bruce Irvin and Marquise went down too, so they're just scrambling. And that it. was pass rush with Bruce Irvin. Yeah, and I Rasheem mean, I Green know, went down. I don't know if he's able to, if he's going to be a guy that's getting that has six sacks right now, but we don't know because he went down. I mean, all it's just a snowball effect, and it's football players are going to get hurt, and it's always the cliche of next man up. The Seahawks have had next man up, but now it's hitting in positions where they thought they were solid. With Shaquille Griffin, mm-hmm. I know he isn't having a great season, but playing if he played on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, is he going to give up a 33-yard pass because he was eyes in the backfield? Is he going to miss a tackle? Is he going to gamble and miss on that gamble? I mean, these are things that are just snowballed, and it's a huge problem now. And Super Bowl aspirations, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, they could be out in the first round, depending on who they play matchup-wise, especially <laughs> looking at the NFC West. I mean, this has become a serious problem, and teams are recognizing that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, no, I th- they can still go to Super Bowl, I think. Like, I mean, we're watching right now, it was just Tampa Bay just getting its boots smoked. Like, it just, it, it doesn't, anybody, anybody, you know, in Tampa Bay smoked Green Bay, right? Like, yep. it's it's whatever. Like, anybody can smoke anybody. They're at least going to be in the hunt, which is kind of 
all you can ask for. I'll say one more thing to the point of like them having to sub guys in next man up. Next man up, yeah, of course, right? You're not gonna play down a guy. Like, of course, you're gonna put eleven dudes on there, but the communication and the chemistry that that does matter. And that, that's another thing I learned. Not learned, but it's something that Cliff always speaks about. Like he uses Michael Bennett as an example. Michael Bennett, he used to just freelance a little bit. Like he would see, he would ID stuff from film study and be like, "I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna like I know the play call is this, but I'm gonna do this because I I know what's coming. I'm gonna jump this or shoot this, or just freelance, right? And so Cliff would know that, right? He's like, "Okay, cool. So I'm gonna make sure I'm pretty sound and and gamble less, especially if I know when Mike's gamble is coming." And other guys knew that stuff too. They had worked together long enough. To, to know that to cover for each other to understand everyone we're all seeing the same thing like there will be moments in the game today where cliff, where cliff or the other guy who was watching the game would be like oh this guy needs to do this because this is coming right now like bobby sees that same stuff too Quandre probably sees that same stuff too but you got to communicate it yeah you got to relay that to the dude you know if if Quandre sees something and you know he needs to let kj or so i don't know i'm not gonna you, you get what i'm saying yeah i just hope Listeners aren't thinking we're coming up with excuses as to why these are just, I would say, the facts as to what's going on. They can play better, but they they just aren't. Well, yeah, and I don't think it's excuses because everyone wants to know what's wrong with the defense. That's all everybody be asking. Maybe me. the word is not excuses, but it's just an explanation. Like, yeah, it's it's a little bit of everything, but we're trying to get into the specifics of what those those things actually are because the term thing is like so generic but yeah i think it's the lack of chemistry which really matters like he was using talking about the legion of boom defense the more i learned about those guys a as i learned that those dudes were all rare breeds like they hit the lotto for real it was ridiculous the other part of it is yeah that chemistry mattered it really did sherm could see something and and, and cam knows he sees it so cam knows he can say okay i can just do this because sherm's, Instinct, sherm's yeah. gonna cover for me and they don't yep. even really gotta say it it can just, just be a, it could just be a look a hand signal you don't get that if if uh, this is your first time playing next to so-and-so, right? Like, that's just, that's not how the game go. So, I mean, even like Quentin switching to the left side, like, that's different, you know, like the communication. So, I think that that played a factor and it's going to play a factor for, for a while. There's no easy fixes here. There's no. really not. But look, watching it with, the, with like, former players who played in this scheme and just no football in general was really illuminating in, in that way. It, it basically confirmed what I had already been thinking and then, it, it, you know, informed me even more about scheme stuff why the coaches do this what the players need to do you know and sometimes the offenses just make good plays too like we were watching that digs catch where he's like manned up in the slot against jamal and jamal just plays it poorly gets the pass you know stuff like that is going to happen too like it's an offensive game the offense is going to have some advantages but seattle is not helping itself in any way whether it's the calls how i don't think the scheme is necessarily bad but it's it's definitely leaving them vulnerable in places and they have to do that because guys aren't playing well see it all works in the same you know ken is only blitzing like this because his front can't get there. he has like, to <laughs> it all it all works to works together so i mean we're gonna like we're gonna hop into the questions right now and it's gonna be a million of things about ken norton in the defense but just keep that in mind too like it's not a singular thing i don't know how much you should worry necessarily we'll get into that too maybe um but it's a it's a lot of things wrong and it's not one person's fault uh, it's just a little bit of everything just just going to, to hell <laughs> all at once. Well, I think we got a little bit of everything regarding questions. Mike, are you ready to get into it, man? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's roll. Our first one comes from Ryan. He is on vacation. I think the Hawks secondary is on vacation, too. That's a very oh, fair wow. assessment. Ryan's fire. Coming in with some heat. Is Shaquille Griffin the real MVP of the Hawks secondary? Bumping the road, but still the leaders of the new school. Keep killing it, guys. Appreciate the love, Ryan. 
No, I don't think he's a. I mean, he's he's a good player. Like I, I like Shaquille. He's a good player. Um, and I think he does have a lot of value to the defense. And I, but I think it's mostly just the communication he has, like uh, with uh, you know having played you know a, a bunch of games with Dunbar, having played a bunch, or excuse me, with um, Quandre. You know, having played with Diggs, having played. This is what Shaq's like fourth year playing with Bobby, right? The guy who makes the damn calls. Like all of that stuff. Um, it. I think that does that does matter. That plays into it. I mean, but. Uh, Shaquille's had inconsistent times too you know he's gotten beat in coverage he's had bad eyes at times like he admitted to like basically falling asleep a little bit in the in the Dallas game or in other games so I mean it's not it's not just oh we get Shaquille back we'll be fine they should get they getting him back will help for sure a because he's healthy like Quentin just could not run like it was it was it was really painful to watch Quentin just out there just limping trying to hit guys knowing he was on a bad leg that's a good question though Ryan that was fire too a great trait to have, yet it can be also ignorant to think the defensive line is fine. These players are great, yet eyebrows raise frequently. Is Pete protecting Ken? No room for complacency. Talk your ish. Um, no, I don't think he's covering for him. I, I'm telling you guys, Pete, the defensive coordinator does not have autonomy, right? When you work for Pete Carroll, it's Pete's defense, and you 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 work in the wrinkles, right? Like, so it, Pete's in those meeting rooms too. He helped make the plan, like he. I'm pretty sure when he's saying we didn't expect him to run, he was probably one of the people like, um, we didn't expect him to abandon the run, excuse me. He was one of the people in the room like, yeah, no, they're going to try to do this and we're going to counter with this and it's going to be great. I was like, I didn't do none of that. That's part of his fault um, too. You know, he's watching the damn game too. Maybe he needs to adjust, you know, as well. He called that blitz. That was, that was, I go back to that third and 16 play. That was probably one of the worst. Uh, that was probably did, the, did him in. That was a nail in the coffin, I think. They were going to get off the field um, if they, you know, do what they're supposed to do on that play, just do basically anything else, or at least only give up a field goal, right? And still like make it somewhat manageable to mount the comeback. It's a very critical point. So, no, I don't think he's covering. He's he's at fault too. I mean, Pete Carroll's a defensive-minded coach, and his defense is bad right now. Scott asks, will they ever return to the Super Bowl if they can't stop teams from scoring or turning the ball over? Would like to see them win a Super Bowl after how they lost Super Bowl Forty Nine. Oh yeah, no, they can. Some of it is just about bounce ball bouncing your right way. I mean, they're six and two, right? Like they're not, you know, two and six or whatever. They got they got a shot. I mean, when Tampa Bay gets you know, this this final of them getting smoked, I mean, who who's the number one seed? Is it still Seattle? Is it's it Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, I'd have one to, of the two. Yeah, like they're still up there, right? So I mean, it's it's fun. And if you beat the if you beat the Rams, um. When it next week, then you know you're still you're still in a good spot, but yeah, they, it's it's a problem. They definitely gotta get off the damn field and stop relying on turnovers. And I think they'll get progressively better, um, but uh, it doesn't. I don't think they're in a part where it's like, oh, we can't we can't go to Super Bowl. No, I, th- I think it's still on the table. It's just not maybe as like a as much of a sure thing as people probably thought it was after you know the first five games. Marty wants to know: Is it time to get rid of this style of defense? feels like the league has figured it out no I, that's what i mentioned earlier like they're not just playing some simple defense they're not even playing the bend don't break like they've even abandoned that I, I i wrote i forget when i wrote that earlier this year i was like Pete keeps trying to coach the defense he wants not the defense he has um and it's like well dude no now they're not doing a bend don't break type of thing now they are like legitimately trying to force the issue like get off the field generate those turnovers early like blitz a lot like they're trying like we mentioned it 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 leaves you vulnerable in other areas and they you know they can't really afford to you know 
and do that consistently when they got guys banged up. So they haven't really figured out Pete in that way. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't say that, like, he's running the same things he used to run. This is a completely different defense than what the Seahawks had previously. Where is the defense? And this is from Skybox Shoddy. You know what? I'm, the defense is struggling. We were talking about that. Now, we mentioned the Skybox thing, though. Um, I do think it's interesting because what we were talking about, me and Cliff and the other dude in there, we were talking about whether a defensive coach should be on the ground with the players or be up in the box. Sorry to cut off. I would say be up top because you can see everything. That's just me. Yeah, and so like it, we were, uh, we were all had different opinions about it. Uh, I don't. I think it just depends on the, the style of coach. Like if you're more of like a, um, if you're more of like uh, an analysty type of coach, and you want to be able to see those things, and you don't need to feel your players because sometimes feeling your players is important too. Like it, it was probably really important like for Ken to feel like whether he should have Quentin out there by looking Quentin in the eye when he's like, "I'm good, coach," and be like, "No, you're not." Or, you know, just feeling it out uh, from, like, how the intensity is going, you know, watching how your guys are interacting on the sideline, getting to feel, you know, football is an emotional game. You got to know the temperament of your players and, and all that. I don't think that uh, it matters either way, but I thought that was an interesting discussion. The more I think about what happens with this defense, I think Ken should probably move so he can see what's going on on his back end for the most part, like, you know, fix fix that maybe Andre Curtis the pass game coordinator on defense basically a secondary coach but the passing game coordinator maybe he should go up there I think they, they have eyes up there but I think really some more eyes maybe some different eyes would they would benefit from you know from that because they need to see how this is unfolding and see that like you're you know how you got the bubbles on Madden yep their bubbles ain't getting covered like they're supposed to. Like <laughs> somebody's got to see that and, and adjust accordingly. But at the same time, there's only so much adjusting you can do with um, when you don't have the personnel to get or guys just aren't executing. Dave wants to know, what's up, man? No trip to Buffalo? Is it COVID related? Oh yeah, no, that's not the cat's kind of out of the bag. I didn't want to reveal it before we recorded, but yeah, that's that's why I didn't go. Um, I had some I thought this would be a cool idea I mean part of it I would have to beg the company to send me to Buffalo and reading Greg Bell's timeline from like Friday night it seemed like it was did you read that Chris where Greg had to like drive to take a COVID test and like was arguing with the dude about whether he could no I didn't want to do all that bro I probably would have just went home <laughs> like I'd have just been hot um, so it was part part because of that it was a cross country trip uh, we're, we're, we're doing um, travel week by week now and obviously, if you wait a week before to fly across the country, it's going to be really expensive. And that, you know, what's the cost benefit when I can only get access on Zoom and all that. But also, I didn't push on it because I thought this would be a cool idea with Cliff. Turned out all right, I think. Jason asked, it seems like the offense has really struggled to get going with Carson. Being out and depending too much on Russ. Is it safe to say that Chris Carson is now the second most valuable offensive player the Seahawks have? Uh, no, uh, not even, no, 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 no. He's a good player. The most valuable is Russ. After that, it is um, uh, Dwayne Brown in terms of value, and then probably DK um, or Tyler, however you want to split that. And then it, it kind of goes from there. Ethan is probably more valuable um, in that regard. It's not because Chris is a bad player. It's just about the position. Um, but, yeah, I do. I wrote about this on Friday. The running back situation is not great. Like, there's not a guy on the roster right now who's capable of like being a lead dude and being efficient in the way that you know the Seahawks need someone to be so there is that like it is an issue 
and I, that's good for Carson's value, you know, I think. But I, I, I would say no to that question in terms of, like, second most. No, no, no. It's still, you still need a left tackle, and you need some playmakers on the outside that create matchup issues, which DK certainly does. Shoot, DK had another good day. Like, DK's probably, what, tied for the league lead in touchdown? No, he's second now. Tyreek went off. But, yeah, like, DK's still killing it. Uh, I'll, actually, I'll give another Cliff insight, too. You know, so Cliff played in Detroit, played with Megatron. Right, you know, DK's getting all these Megatron comparisons. He's like, nah, I think he could be. He's like, I think he could be that. And it's like, if, if someone like Cliff can even see it, he's seen both guys up close. Like, it's it's spooky how good DK is. I know that's not what we asked about, but yeah. Worked out. Brandon asked, should we still be considering Pete a defensive coach? It's been a while since the D has been in the top quartile. If anything, he's great culture, building coach, but defense doesn't seem to be a strength anymore. Yeah, he's still a defensive-minded coach because that's all about what your focus is. That's like when the Rams' offense ain't clicking, you're like, is McVay still an offensive coach? Well, yeah. Whether he's good at it or not is about his mindset. But I do think um, that's still Pete's like focus, and that's the thing he is best at, believe it or not. He just is not adjusting well. They're not making good. Like, he's having a bad year coaching defense and maybe that maybe that was bound to happen right like it, some regression was due after you have the best defense ever and you maybe you know you're gonna have like some bad defenses along the way but no he's still a defensive minded coach how good he is at that right now ooh, it's not looking not looking great but here's what we also have to consider like could it be even worse if pete wasn't like good at his part like could could other defensive coaches get you know what we're getting out of ryan neal or even like turn Trey Flowers into a corner and make him someone who could start. Like you gotta factor in that too. Like how 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 good is Pete making these guys? Like he's probably maximizing, you know, what these guys can do. Their max just ain't as high as like Earl Thomas or Cam or Sherm. Yeah, like that's a good answer by me. <laughs> this is from Thomas. Did Russ's MVP bid die today with a second game with three or more turnovers? Yeah, you know that's funny. Uh, I. It was late in the game, and I was it was the game's basically over. They were down like 17 points or something in the fourth quarter, and I said I was like, man, I said to Cliff, I was like, yo, if Russ really want to be MVP, like this is not the way how you get down. And then as soon as I said that, um, Brock Heward comes on and was like, yeah, Russ's MVP vid took a hit today, and I mean, Cliff looked at, looked at each other, start laughing, like it's it's crazy, it's right on time. Um, no, it didn't his it didn't die, but it's definitely limping. Like, if it was the race for MVP, like, Russ was, like, hitting full DK strides. Now he's kind of, like, doing, ah, man, I'm hit. You know, the, the limp. He's he's limping. And he's definitely got passed up by, I would say, at least Mahomes. Maybe Josh Allen jumps back into the conversation. Like, as much as, like, Josh is not like who you think of, oh, MVP. It's like, well, his team's playing well. Um, he's putting up decent numbers. So, yeah, I put his team's, what, 7-2? So, He's in there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers still in there, too. Yeah, so it took a hit. It didn't die, but it definitely took a hit. I know you're the king of movies and tying him into the show. You've seen Forrest Gump, right? I have not seen Forrest Gump. All right. Everyone that's listening to this podcast, you tag Mike and tell him to watch Forrest Gump. That is his homework. Okay. Because there's a scene where Forrest is running through Vietnam in the jungle, and he's carrying a soldier, carrying one of his buddies. And he gets shot in the butt. And he's just like, oh, something jumped up and bit me. And he starts limping <laughs> and he's still running. 
and that just reminded me of Russell Wilson and you saying him he's limping right now with his MVP vote. Oh, okay. I'm with you. Yeah, I just I'm not. You haven't seen it. You're probably like, well, Chris, I no. I can watch it. I can visualize. I'm with you. I'm with you. (laughs) Go ahead. What's the next one? Next one we got is from JB, and it's not JB Smooth. Does Pete's defensive philosophy of allowing tons of yards underneath, as long as they don't give up the long bomb, still work in 2020? Because in his eyes, it hasn't worked since probably 2016 or 2017. I don't think it's as much about whether what era of football we're in in terms of whether it's effective. I just think it's about well, a he's not doing it anymore. Like I said, like he's they're being more aggressive now. They're being the aggressor, not just sitting back because they know their defense is yielding a lot of yards and then ultimately yielding points. Um, but I don't think that I think that could still work. I think the Niners are built similarly in that similarly in that way. And that the Niners defense is kind of like, okay, bend, but don't break. Um, and it's kind of breaking now because all their players are broken <laughs> and on IR. But no, I, I, still, I still think it can work. You just need an elite defense to do it. Like, who's an elite defense right now? The Ravens defense is good. I was going to say Tampa Bay, but like I said, we are watching them get dusted uh, right now. Our defense looks atrocious. But I, I don't know. The Colts' pass defense has been good. Like Anyway, the moral of the story is, yes, to answer your question, JB, I do think it can work. Well, can it work with this Seahawks defense? Hell no. And I think Pete's kind of admitted that with the scheming and realized, okay, we need to we need to mix it up a little bit. Again, it's just not working for a multitude of reasons. Red Rider wants to know, should the Seahawks fire Ken Norton or should they fire Ken Norton? <laughs> um... I, I don't know if that's the answer. It depends. I need to know more about the other... Because it's like Pete still has the control, right? So let's say you fire him. I don't know who the assistant would be that gets elevated. Let's assume it's... Cl- Fourth Reed. What? Who's that? The pass coordinator. What's his name? Oh, Dre Curtis. Uh, no, yeah, I, Dre Curtis, let's, go, um, let's go Clint Hurt, right? Let's say Clint gets... The D-line coach gets elevated. What's going to be the difference if Pete's still in those same rooms? Right? Like how... How is he going to make this work differently? I, I really don't know if that's going to be the case. Maybe sometimes you just need to switch it up. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that does work. I'd, I'd have to go back and see the history of some defenses. That's actually a good project for me. See if there's any defenses that have gotten better um, by dumping the coordinator midseason. Um, I, I don't think it's going to happen for everyone thinking about it. No, I don't. I don't see it. I don't see it that way, especially with a team that's winning. I mean, I know they lost today, but like they're still they're six and two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're still first place in the division. To yeah. be honest, um, they are right. Yeah, because Arizona, yes, Arizona yes, lost. Arizona lost. Yeah. yeah. So and, and, and the Rams are and Rams are on a bye, and the Niners are broken. So, <laughs> um, no, I don't think that's gonna happen. And I I really just don't have enough to know whether that's gonna make a change that's drastic and turn this thing around. Because the people who would be running the show are all guys who are already in the room. Maybe they view defense a little differently than Ken. Maybe Andre has a different plan or or, or whatever. Maybe he's a better in-game adjuster. I don't know. Um, I, I'm, I'm not super confident in that. This is one of those years where if I was in the locker room, it'd be a little bit easier to determine that. Um, but no, I'm not. I honestly can't say one way or another whether firing him is the answer because the answer means the defense getting better. And I don't know if you just put some other dudes in the room in charge if they get better. Nicholas asks, should Seattle focus on signing a better corner or pass rush this coming off season? 
Dang, we already in off season questions. Jesus, halfway through uh, this year. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> should they? Well, yeah, they should draft corner. The problem with the Seahawks is they don't draft corners high, which is really weird. Like of all the positions that you don't want to, like if you know they've never taken a corner in the first round under Pete and John. I don't think. No, not, I, they have you not. <laughs> and I don't think they've even taken one in the second round. I think the highest Shaq, right? is the highest is Shaq at like 90 yep. overall. Third that's, that's third round. And it's really, really, really dumb, I think. Like if there's any positions, like th- I say it's dumb because like, okay, fine. If you if that's the line you draw in the sand, cool, whatever. I don't really care. But if you, but you're all, you're willing to take like um, a, a five technique pass rusher in the first round, I don't think you should do that. Okay, actually, let's say you're taking a pass rusher in LJ. Sure, cool. You're willing to take a running back in the first round, but not a corner? You're willing to take, uh, who they just pick? Linebacker? Yeah, you're willing to take an off-ball linebacker in the Jordan first round, Brooks. but not a corner? I just think that process is dumb. Like, I don't think that's consistently a good way to build a team. If you if you have positions that are like, we'll never take this in the first round, cool, whatever. I, I agree. You should only take, like, five positions total. In the first round, but corner should be one of them. If you're not gonna take a corner, what logic makes you think that? Oh, let's take a running back. That's just bad process. Not, nothing against like Rashad or nothing, or even against Jordan as people, as players. That's just bad process on the front front office, I think. So yes, to answer whose question was this, Nicholas? Yep. Yeah, to answer your question, Nicholas. Yeah, no, I think they should for sure go get one of these studs out of college for sure and beef up the the cornerback group. Should the cover two Tampa two be buried forever? I don't think they're running a lot of Tampa too. I'd have to go to go. I think they've run into like a little bit, but I don't think that's like their primary thing. I think they're just trying a little bit of everything. They're almost kind of doing like what I would do. To be honest, if I was running this team, I would make it look like the Ravens and I would just like try to muck it up and just like, and hope the other team just can't react. The problem is you guys still have to be sound. That's kind of how the Ravens play too. They just kind of create chaos Yep. and you just can't handle it. Difference is, you can trust a Marlon Humphrey on the back end. You can trust Marcus Peters, who has, what, 30 interceptions now or something? In his, I saw Crazy. some stat. Like, the only people who have as many picks as Marcus Peters are in the Hall of Fame. Like, it's kind of crazy. You can trust those guys on the back end. You can't do that with these guys. They just won't They won't hold up, at least not while they're banged up, things like that. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think Tampa 2 is, like, their go-to right now. I think their whole thing is, like, create chaos, still have, like, their cover three principles, um, they play a lot of co- a lot of cover two with some variations mixed in to like simulate some pass rush. I don't think there's like any defense that'll fix them for sure, for sure. Because again, you can't scheme up a great defense, right? You need some guys to just freaking execute. Eric asks, "Is Jamal Adams bad?" To clarify, he seems like a great dude, and I hope he's very successful here. But my question stands: Is he bad? Was mm-hmm. that the question? Yep. No, no, no. Jamal's not bad. He shouldn't be matched up in the slot against Stephon Diggs. I tweeted that. That was not a good... I don't know if Jamal was like, a, let me take this. Nope. I don't know if Ken was like, this is the play. Co-. They both wrong. That was... Yeah, no, that's <laughs> just... Jamal can do a lot of things on the football field. Not cover more, more. He can do more things than just about anyone on the football field, like on de- at least on the defensive side of the ball. He cannot cover Stephon Diggs one-on-one in the slot. That's just not his bag. And don't ever o- do that's that. That's okay. Yeah. Not a lot of guys can cover him. For my money, <laughs> he's a top three route runner in this league. Him... Keenan Allen and Devontae Adams, probably all the top three dudes. I don't want Jamal and any of them dudes in the slot. I really one on one too, no safety help. Well, Stephon turned 
Jamal around a full 360. 360. <laughs> That's just like I mean Jamal clapped him up and was like, "Yo, okay, yeah, good, good play." Like he recognizes that was, but it's just like, dude, that you, you watched the film. <laughs> you shouldn't be in that position. That's one of those things where like you know when Pete says after a game we got to do a better job helping our guys out. Yeah, that's one of them. Bobby's got to say back up because you know <laughs> someone's got to say uh, something. Well, I mean the coach just shouldn't like that should never be the game plan. Yeah, that should never be within there. Like if, if Stefan's here, Jamal go get it. That's just not. No. How that should go, because Jamal's gonna want the challenge. He's like, I got this, coach. I can do this, you know. But that's where the that's why Pete's saying we got to do a better job. We, coach, we got to let our guys. No, you don't do that. <laughs> that's just not how uh, this goes. No, Jamal's not bad. What kind of question is that? Hey, man. Yeah, Jamal's Jamal's not bad. He can. He's not perfect. Like he 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 makes mistakes and busts stuff just like all the other guys. And I think that's the newness with him. You know, this is only his fourth game playing with the Seahawks. Yeah, he's missed four other games. Fourth so. game. Fourth game. Like no preseason. That's it. Four. Yeah. That's 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 it. He's gonna. He's got. He's new too. He's yep. got to learn this stuff. The Legion of Boom didn't form overnight. Like they had to build and grow together. And you know, the chemistry I was talking about earlier. So no, Jamal's not bad. Who asked that? This is from Eric. Eric, man, you tripping, man. <laughs> the last one comes from Demetrius. Last name Dugar. Oh, that's my cousin. There it is. I what up, cuz? But I had to make sure. How offensive was it to watch this game? <laughs> I love my cousin, bro. He asks this funny question. Um, oh, he texted me, too. I got to text him back. My, my bad, bro. I just, I just, I've been busy. Um, How offensive was it? Hey, there was a lot of offense in this game. Shoot. <laughs> it was 78 points in this game. No defensive uh, scores. That's kind of fun in that regard i didn't have anybody in here that hurt me fantasy wise so that was a <laughs> that was fun but no i mean i think the the real poor thing I, and i wrote this in my story that's out now too i was like you know it's just really weird to watch a seahawks team with a bad defense that's that's it now i mean this particular seahawks team by week nine or whatever i understand their defense is bad that part is not weird the weird part is just like I associate Seahawks with defense. Yep. And especially today watching it with Cliff, like he wasn't wearing a Super Bowl ring. I don't know. He wasn't. But like I've seen the rings they got. Like I know how these guys kick it, how they got down. And just to see that this is just not being carried over is very, very, very interesting. Um, so that wasn't it wasn't that bad. I got some free pizza out of it, too. That was, that was nice. We haven't done this in a minute. We want to thank everybody out there for asking Twitter questions. We appreciate all the love and support. But, Mike, man, we need a hot take. It's been a minute. What you got for me, man? Oh, boy. Oh, man, you put me on the spot here. Absolutely. Uh, do we care about a Seahawks hot take? No, you know the rules. It okay. could be anything, Mike. I put you on the spot. Anything, man. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to buy some time here by complimenting how well, I mean, how, how good of a question uh, that is, I'll put it this way. I think the Seahawks are going to have an average defense by the end of the year. Like, they're going to be like top 16 in, D- in DVOA. Like, that. let's just use that as the metric. Do you know where they're ranked right now off top? Uh, I think they entered the week like 28. Okay. Or that's something. A big jump. Okay. No, yeah, no, I mean that yeah, that, that's what that's what classifies it as hot, I think. I'm expecting a big, big jump. Okay. I think the more they play together, I think this is what watch them like it wouldn't surprise me if like um in the month of December they're they're like one of the best defenses in the league. Part of that because of their schedule. You know, they're gonna they're gonna catch like a run of like Alex Jets. Alex Smith, Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones. They're gonna catch a run here of just some favorable matchups too. 
And I think it wouldn't really surprise. There's one more bad team in there, right? No. You named it. You, that was the Jets, that was the run. Giants, the those two back to back, and then the Washington, and the Washington football team. Oh, and they, they play uh, Philly. Oh yeah, Philly. They yeah, play Philly the in there too. So I think they'll um, they're gonna have a run. I think of where they put up some decent numbers. Um, and I think once they starts to click and they start to feel each other, like by their first playoff game, it wouldn't surprise me if they put up like a good performance. You better pray Daniel Jones doesn't look like Josh Allen. Uh, no, I mean he's. Guys are gonna still put their defense is gonna allow yards for sure. I'm just saying no turnovers. That's oh I mean. no no they're no, you want to talk about someone addicted to turning over? It's Daniel freaking Jones. The boy fumble every time he touched the ball. <laughs> I don't know if he fumbled today. Did they win? Giants? They beat Washington, right? They did. They came back. No, actually, I think I'm reading that wrong because Alex Smith came in. Yeah, I saw after they were down. Kyle tw- Allen broke his ankle, and he put on a clinic, and the Giants did win 23-20. I was right. Okay, yes. cool. Um, oh yeah, but it was 20 to three. Yes, and and Washington. Alex Smith came back but yep. Giants held up. Okay. Yep. There it is. Uh, yeah, so that's my hot. I think they're going to f- I think they're going to turn it around. Especially kind of hearing some of the things that were wrong and what's fixable. I think there's I think there's something there. All I right. think there's enough to get to like top 16. That's perfect, man. Maybe right at 16. But hey, that's still top 16. I'd still be right. <laughs> Either way you look at it, Mike would be right. Again, we want to thank you guys for rocking with us on Seahawks Man to Man. Make sure to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Anything you want to add, Mike, before we get out of here? Shout out to Cliff, man, giving me that experience. Man, that was really dope. Um, we got to get Cliff back on the show uh, at some point, to be honest. We might do a preview with him or something. Yeah, we, yeah we could do something like that. Maybe instead of like having one of our athletic guys on for the second time, we bring on. Yeah, yeah that, no, that could be. That could definitely be fun. Um, but, yeah, shout out to him for giving me that opportunity. That was really dope, really fun. You guys go check out that story on The Athletic now. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. Appreciate the love. We're out. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.